Hey guys, welcome to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. Uh, I'm Father Branson Hip, the chaplain here at Georgia Tech. And I'm Deacon Paul. We wanted to like take some time to talk a little bit about Catholicism and politics. And we actually put out some questions for the greater community and got some really good questions. And so we just wanted to take like a little bit of time to really look at like the relationship between like living the Catholic faith and voting responsibly and the relationship with politics. We may be biting off more than we can chew, and there's a lot of really good references, like, for instance, all of, like, like the Compendium of Catholic Social Teaching. But actually, the, U- the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops put out a document that is, it's really good and really exhaustive of talking about what the church teaches and why and the why of its approach. And this document is called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. They update it every few years because like there's new and changing issues. Like church teaching doesn't change, but the engagement with it changes. Like they weren't having necessarily conversations on human cloning in the late 19th century. You know, but they were having conversations on like the rights and dignities of workers. So like these things need to be updated as we humans find like new ways of destroying each other or like messing things up. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll ask the questions, I guess, and Father Branson will mostly answer them. So the first question, what issues should Catholics prioritize when voting? And is there a quote unquote Catholic way to vote? Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Um, Is there like a Catholic way to vote? And so first off, right off the bat is... Uh, like here and like what the church documents say is they will not tell you specifically who to vote for. And for a lot of people, that's like the church trying to like protect its tax exempt status or whatever. And they can like almost frame it as like the church being cowardly. Like, well, why wouldn't it just like be bold and say what it means? And many, like, frankly, many priests that like specifically tell their people, like, you can't vote for this person or you have to vote for this person. Like, they're actually acting outside of their bounds. Um, And there's a specific reason for that. So like, first of all, it's not cowardice, but it's actually recognizing the individual responsibility of the lay faithful, of like what each person is called to do. And part of this is connected to what we would call the principle of subsidiarity, that issues are meant to be solved in the most local level possible. So you don't have somebody like a governor telling somebody like what's going on within their family. You know what I mean? Like like issues should be solved in the most local level possible. And this makes sense on a logical level because how can somebody like high up and far away understand what's going on? There may be like broader context for it, right? Like I, I know I give this example a lot, but like whenever I'm out with my, my sister who's adopted from China, like we don't look like each other. So... Like, we look like strangers, but the reality is, is she's my sister, right? So, like, very often from a distance, like, you can't see context. So issues are meant to be solved in the most local level possible. So what this has to do, though, with, like, the question of politics is that part of the responsibility of the lay faithful in building up the kingdom of God is to, like, help have their consciences formed well in the relationship with the church, and then also actually to, like, apply prudence, And so just a couple like definition of terms. We talk about conscience, like what we mean by that is a judgment of reason. And this is from the catechism. It's a judgment of reason whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act that he is going to perform, is in the process of performing and has already completed it. And all he says and does, man is obliged to follow faithfully what he knows to be right and just. I Hopefully we've had experiences of conscience where we were about to do something, we're in the midst of something and there was a sense of like, this is not right. 
we're like, this isn't correct. Or we saw something happening and we're like, this isn't right. But the other part of this that's really important is the application of prudence. And prudence is to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. We would say like there's a time and a place for it. It's good for me to like eat food, right? But if you, Deacon Paul, uh, are choking on the ground, that's not the moment for me to keep eating, right? <laughs> like it, it's a good for me to eat, but what I should probably do is help you not choke. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> got it. But the point is that like prudence is extremely, because like this is why one of the doc things that the document says is that when we talk about these things, it's really complicated. And as we as Catholics have to appreciate the complexity and actually be okay with that. Because you may have a person that falls in line, like says that they fall in line with Catholic social teaching, but they're saying that to pander and actually doesn't have like the best interests of the human person in mind. Or like, frankly, they could be really incompetent. So they have good intentions, but they don't know how like things can actually get done. So part of this prudential judgment is you have you may have a person and we see this in like businesses and things like that where someone is like really, really nice, but they're not qualified to get the job. I, I would like that my doctor, you know, like have a, a medical degree. And even if he's like a really nice guy, if he's not qualified to operate on me, probably don't want him to operate on me. Yeah. So this applies to politics as well. Um, and that's what makes it really complicated is like we have to like form our consciences in like understanding the human person and all of this is about like like the life and dignity of the human person but we before we go on there's one question that kind of goes along with like the person's competence or like beliefs and th those different things yeah like someone asked like is the leader's own religion important or just their policies or beliefs so what we would say is kind of like really the policies and beliefs right um there's a lot of like very distinctly historically jf john f kennedy like there was a lot of flack for him being Catholic. And there were a number, there were a number of times where they were basically like, cause there's, we have a history of anti-Catholicism and there were a number of people where they were like, don't vote for Catholics because they'll just do whatever the Pope says, right? And there was a lot of that, of like, that basically America will become a papal state if we have a Catholic president, which is not understanding it. So like really it's looking at like, do they respect the dignity of the human person? Do they have a consistent moral framework? Are they capable of doing it? Like there's lots of things that are in play and their like personal involvement with religion like may or may not affect that. It's more about doing the common good because we've actually seen historically a lot of anti-Catholicism and mistrust um, that doesn't actually play into like, are they going to do their role well of like these principles? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple other things in this, we talked about like forming consciences and the need for prudence and to actually make practical judgments. But one of the things we talk about is in regards to the human person is underneath all of this, and this is the first principle of Catholic doctrine, is affirming the dignity of the human person, right? We don't treat people the same way that we treat objects. Like that should be obvious, right? But if you have an understanding that like some people aren't people, then you allow things like slavery or all kinds of things. Like actually how someone understands the human person really matters. It really matters in the sense of like racism, you know, like all of these different things, like not affirming the dignity of workers, like not treating people like people. So underneath all of this is, again, understanding and affirming the dignity of the human person. So along with that, like the documents of the church are very clear 
that there are actions that we would call intrinsically evil that are by their very nature fundamentally flawed and it gives actually like a long list of them but it begins with actually like abortion and euthanasia there's a number of them on there human cloning but what it talks about is it says always like there's intrinsically evil actions that are to always be rejected and never condoned the intentional taking of innocent human life any legal system that violates the basic right to life on the grounds of choice is fundamentally flawed. So it'd say like underneath everything there is like the recognition of like the dignity of the human person and that this has to be foundational. What's interesting though is along with this when it talks about like these and it doesn't just talk actually about abortion or euthanasia but it begins with those and talks specifically about like the innocent taking of human life but it also talks about gosh like a long list of things um torture racism like not like exploiting workers like there's all kinds of stuff that are on here and it's worth looking at the list but then it talks about like the, there's two temptations in front of this and we've actually heard both of these arguments for people arguing for like the left or the right frankly and one temptation it talks about is moral equivalence that saying one of these things is like all of the others and the documents say very clearly like no like human life actually ha like the defense of innocent human life is a preeminent issue but then in the next paragraph it says that like another uh, temptation is the misuse of this as a way of dismissing or ignoring serious threats, other serious threats to human life. So it's saying like you can't actually be one issue, but also these things can't be ignored as well, which I think is added to like a lot of the, frankly, a lot of Catholics' confusions in front of like these specific candidates. Again, like I'm, I'm going to read the, like the next paragraph 34. And I think it's important, again, that we're not saying necessarily who to vote for, but that each person has a responsibility to be well-informed, to really look at the candidates, to look at their history, their character, their issues, how they've dealt with things historically, and to make a prudential judgment based upon these criteria. But this is one thing it says, and this is paragraph 34 and 35 from Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. It says, Catholics often face difficult choices about how to vote. This is why it is so important to vote according to a well-formed conscience that perceives the proper relationship among moral goods. A Catholic cannot vote for a candidate who favors a policy promoting an intrinsically evil act, such as abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, deliberately subjecting workers or the poor to some human living conditions, redefining marriage in ways that violate its essential meaning, or racist behavior, if the voter's intent is to support that position. In such cases, a Catholic would be guilty of formal cooperation in grave evil. At the same time, a voter should not use a candidate's opposition to an intrinsic evil to justify indifference or inattentiveness to other important moral issues involving human life and dignity. There may be a time where a Catholic who rejects a candidate's unacceptable position, even on policies promoting an intrinsically evil act, may reasonably decide to vote for that candidate for other morally grave reasons. Voting in this way would be permissible only for truly grave moral reasons, not to advance narrow interests or partisan preferences, or to ignore a fundamental moral evil. So there's the like complexity of it, right? And then it says, in the end, this is a decision to be made by each Catholic guided by a conscience formed by Catholic moral teaching. So it's formal cooperation in grave evil to vote in a candidate who favors policy that promotes an intrinsically evil act. If like your intent is to support that position, 
and it says like you can't be indifferent to this, but it is reasonable to actually vote for a candidate um, for other morally grave reasons, right? So you actually have to like again, there's some issues that are that are higher priority than others, but you have to weigh it against the whole thing. And I, I think like one of the complexities is we have to really honestly ask with any party who try to like honestly both all political parties like really look for it, frankly, the Catholic vote. They really seek it out and they will actually try to like push some issues and say like if you're a good Catholic you need to vote for these issues and like purposefully ignore other issues, right? And we've seen this from uh, Republicans and Democrats, frankly. And so like we also have to look at like are these things that people actually care about and are going to put forward or are we being manipulated? That's like a painful, honest question we have to look at. Um, And Catholics can frankly disagree on this. Uh, I, guys, like, I, I'm just, like, reading what the documents say and, like, trying to be faithful to that. Do you want to just clarify what you mean by, like, morally culpable or, like, formal cooperation? Formal cooperation in the sense of, like, we would have talked about, like, formal and material cooperation. And so it's, like, participating in an act, right, by approving, not doing something, or, like, participating in it. So it's saying to, like, support a candidate who proposes, like, in, like intrinsically evil policies, right, and to vote for them because of those issues is formal cooperation. Okay, I want to really cover the four, like, principles of Catholic doctrine. And so, again, like, what we would propose is in any society and in any government, because we have to keep in mind, like, the Catholic Church exists in other countries, so with other political systems. And and so they have to work within those political systems. And even, like, talking about if you look about, like, Middle Ages and things like that, like, there's Catholic period. Like, those uh, the Catholic generals in Nazi Germany that resisted Hitler, the German like resistance was almost across the board actually Catholics and not the Lutherans. And the reason why is because there was a theology of regicide in the Catholic Church that like kind of like if these criteria are followed, if the government is like so corrupt, like they can actually go against the king. But Lutheran theology did not have that. So if you look at the ones who actually resisted Hitler, they were by and large actually Catholics because there was like a theology, like a Catholic social teaching that backed it up. So like knowing and understanding the the principles of Catholic social teaching is crucial. We can disagree on the implementation of it, right? Just like different teachers disagree on how things should be taught, right? Like you have, you have really good teachers that teach in very different ways. So like the, the doctrine, like we like really like, cannot really like disagree upon the application of that is another story these are the four principles first is the dignity of the human person of every human person from conception to natural death and that's the foundation for a moral vision again it's very interesting that like pope francis and laudato si which is the like document on care in the common home about creation people call it the like environmental document he actually talks about abortion in that document and he actually talks about it as like all being under the same thing of we've moved from a re- like being in relationship with God, each other, and creation to use. So instead of being in relationship with God, being in relationship with each other, and being in relationship with creation, we've moved to try to use God, which doesn't work, and then we don't understand him. Trying to use each other, like in all different ways, economically, sexually, whatever, and we end up like losing the other person and hurting the other person and throwing away the other person. And we end up using creation as well and actually destroying it. So he would actually draw a real connection that I think is consistent of the way that we treat 
like the environment and also like the way that we treat people. That's so dignity of the human person is the first one. The second principle is what we mentioned before of subsidiarity of larger institutions should not overwhelm or interfere with smaller or local institutions. Yet larger institutions have responsibility when local institutions cannot adequately protect human dignity, meet human needs, or advance the common good. So again, like issues should be solved at the most local level possible, which like logically makes sense, right? And then when it can't be solved at the local level, it gets kicked up, right? We actually do have some culture of subsidiarity here in the United States in the sense of like, for instance, like when uh, like there's a natural disaster and the state can't cover it, they call in like the National Guard. So there is a sense of that in these things, but like this is actually a really important principle for the way that we like live our lives, that like issues should be solved at the most local level possible. This is also why local politics is really important in Catholics. If they really want to see a difference in the United States, actually need to be engaged in the local level and ensuring like the full protection of the dignity of the human person on the local level uh, because that's really like where we can make a difference in a lot of ways and each person living like these principles within their own lives and that can make a huge difference it can make a huge difference this is like a bigger conversation anyway third one is the common good and this is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and easily. It says only if human rights and basic responsibilities are met. So even here, when it talks about rights, it also talks about responsibilities as well. And I think that's really important. When we talk about the dignity of the human person, we talk about innate rights, but we also talk about responsibilities too. And we need to like recognize that. And in this, it talks about actually protecting the rights and dignity of workers and the care for creation. Fourth principle, uh, solidarity. And solidarity of loving our neighbor actually requires us to like suffer with. Especially for us as Christian, as Catholics, we believe that the, the way that God saved us was he became man. He became poor, like he suffered with us. So we're actually called to do the same. And we as a people are actually called to have like a preferential option for the poor. With, and especially to like suffer with those that are in structures of sin and actually to help them out of structures of sin. It's interesting, like one of the things you hear a lot about criticism of like many like pro-life people is like you don't care about the baby after it's born. And one of the things that the documents really talk about is like it's not just about uh, people not having abortions, but also like, are we helping the mothers and are we building a society where people are like, when they're in need, they're taken care of again, like, like the principle of like subsidiarity when at their most local level, they can't get help. Like that's something like you kick it up and someone is actually helping them out. And so I, I would also propose like in being serious of us being a, like a pro-life people that we need to do our part in helping like put forward good things to help like protect the structure of the family, to help uh, pregnant mothers that are in need, to help like support like more stable things in society. So part of what's also interesting of this like preferential option for the, for the poor is the bishops actually call for like the US because of its affluence actually has a responsibility to other countries, such as participating in helping to alleviate global poverty, like a, like ensuring basic human rights in other countries, like helping to assure religious liberty and also granting political asylum. And again, like there's certain things that need to be respected, 
but also like assuring and supporting those things in other countries. Finally, like this document talks about like issues to look at for today. It talks about, first of all, again, human life in all aspects. But then it talks about promoting peace and harmony. There's actually a lot in the document about protecting marriage and family life. Like again, like I, I'm actually, I'm reading a book right now about, <laughs> you knew this would come up, <laughs> reading Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, and it's talking about kind of the collapse in, in the Appalachia communities. And a lot of it is talking about like, like they couldn't get a good education because family life was really unstable, right? And this teacher actually saying, you know, like this teacher was saying like very heartbreakingly, like we're called to like shepherd these children, but like what nobody talks about is like very often they're raised by wolves, what they meant by that is their family life was so unstable that they were like becoming many of the things that they'd been hurt by so like the importance of like marriage and family life and are we supporting that as like the basic unit of society religious freedom welfare policies that actually reduce poverty but also encourage autonomy affordable housing food security health care reform um, but also that no one compromises their beliefs in providing catholics and people of conscience that in providing health care for their employees they don't have to violate their conscience in doing that uh, again like respecting religious liberty which is so much a part of like the united states actually calls also for major comprehensive reform for immigration it calls for prison reform and actually care for creation so those are a lot of the issues that the document talks about i know like that was a ton of stuff but like these are the things that we have to keep in mind but overall underneath all of this is like the dignity of the human person and having a full consistent like life ethic from conception and natural death and how that's applied within our specific communities and societies as a whole. There's one quote, like they quote Pope Benedict, um, this preferential option for the poor, that was really striking to me. Pope Benedict XVI has taught that, quote, love for widows and orphans, prisoners and the sick and needy of every kind is as essential to the church as the ministry of the sacraments and preaching of the gospel. Hmm. This preferential option for the poor and vulnerable includes all who are marginalized in our nation and beyond, unborn children, persons with disabilities, the elderly and terminally ill, victims of injustice and oppression and immigrants. Yeah. Like recognizing that like, yes, we come to mass and like, yes, we have like all these sacraments that like we come and like worship the Lord. But like when we say at the end of mass, like go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your lives. Like that's a, like almost a command that like we actually live this in the world mm. for the poor. Yeah, that's super important. And I really feel like anybody that really aligns themselves with a specific political party here in the United States is going to have to ignore certain issues, like to like fully align with any party. And so like we're, what we're, and one of the things the documents calls for is it says we're not supposed to bring a Catholic voice necessarily, but actually, again, to like any policy that we are affirming the dignity of human life. And like, are we doing these things? And again, like how they're done can be disagreed upon, right? Right. Um, like there's like questions of like whether or not like the government, like should the government be doing these things, you know? And that's a question that, that can be up for debate. The question is not like about intrinsically evil acts or like should these things be done? The question is how. Okay, are there any other like specific questions that people have asked that like we need to look at? One question, it's like, why should we be like political against like gay marriage? And clarifies like, as in, should we also be politically against the legalization of divorce and remarriage, pornography and all other things the church condemns, including like sins of pride, lying and selfishness? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, like a distinction has to be made 
between like what is like what does the law do in the sense of like Father Jose Medina always give this example of like driving the speed limit does not make you a good driver right like it it's a part of it it's good but that doesn't guarantee being a good driver you know right. so like there's certain things that the law like is meant to prevent and actually like Thomas Aquinas talked about and I know Bishop Baird mentioned this actually many years ago in, in a Dave room and I'm like interviewed but I've been meaning to look it up too of talking about like like even prostitution being legal in a society and like that being from a, like a law perspective okay for like the protection of specific things so we, we have to distinguish between like the law and morality and there are certain things we cannot expect from the law we can't expect the law to actually guarantee morality, but it is called to do specific things of like protecting human life, right? Mm. And to like help offer like the possibility of human flourishing, but that can't be guaranteed by virtue of the law. So like there are specific things that we would say like should be illegal or like we need to like work towards in a just society. Uh, and that may actually include some of those things. Uh, other things not frankly and again like this is a lot like the church puts forward specific things and there's documents about this but part of this is the responsibility of lay catholics and figuring out what actually will work towards a more just human society and like what will not do that like i heard i heard the the lieutenant governor of i think it was Washington speak who's a Catholic who this guy like left to become a Jesuit and he gave this talk once where he said um, you guys actually don't know whether or not I'm a good politician I am <laughs> but you guys actually don't know whether or not I'm a good politician because you think that being a, go a good politician is basically being a voice and speaking at the media but the real work is actually behind the scenes of like the crafting of laws and getting them through and working with others and, and understanding these things. And I was really struck by what he was saying. It was something that I hadn't really thought about. So a lot of this actually requires experiential boots on the ground, Catholic faithful that are living this and working on this and trying to navigate this. But there are like these principles to help with them. And again, like there are certain issues that are non-negotiable. Yeah. That leads into the next question. All right. What methods would you suggest for getting an honest view of candidates? Gosh, I'm hesitant to answer this. Um, and maybe you can add, like, your thoughts, too. So this is, like, I, I, I personally think, like, we look at these principles and understand them well. And you look at the candidates' policies, look at, like, their positions on these specific things, look at their track records, look at what they're promising, look at the criticisms from the other side. Like, you have to look at all of it, and, and you can't look at, like, one media source, frankly. It's a complicated question. There's so many sources of information that you don't know, like, what you can trust. It's like, this is what the, like, for, for me, it's like, this is what the church teaches, and then, like, each person needs to, like, apply this. And so that's why I'm, like, hesitant to even answer personally. Again, not out of, like, cowardice or, like, anything like that, but just, like, it's not my role, you know? Sure. Uh, there are a couple questions with regard to, like, how do we have conversations with people who, like, disagree with us politically? Um, like a specific question would be like how to address it when someone who is no longer Catholic and despises the church uses the fact that they were quote unquote raised Catholic to justify arguments in both political and social com 
conversations. This is something for me personally that I always find very frustrating. Like in the parish, like the people that usually knew the least about the Catholic faith were the ones that said like, oh, I went to Catholic school, I know, you know? And it was like, well, like, you know, the Catholic faith is actually really complicated and there's a lot there. And most people and like their professions do regular professional development to like keep up on something. So to learn a few things about something as a kid and then be away from it for 40 years and then act like you're an expert, it's pretty problematic, you know? <laughs> but again, like, even that, like, how do we respond to people in, in charity? I think first, like, trying to understand their arguments and where they're coming from. And so when people have a specific moral position that we disagree with, asking, like, like how did you come to that position? And you see, like what their starting point is like what was that a good starting point the hopefully the logic of their argument and everything and i think to actually share and and do the same and when someone lays out a full trajectory and journey um you can see if there are gaps like what the gaps are or like maybe the piece that's missing or like something that is being ignored or it may actually be like an opportunity for us to like genuinely learn something and for us to grow as well so i think this sharing of not just the argument itself, but how somebody arrived at a conclusion is really interesting and really important. For me, like personally, a lot of my like initial thoughts on like issues of immigration really changed when I started working with the Hispanic community and living with them. And then understanding like the law and the way that things were, like my position shifted. So uh, serious dialogue in these issues is really important. Unfortunately, like that's one of the things that's like the least common thing today. But I find like this in particular of asking someone how they arrived at a position is a good starting point. And then it becomes like a journey to truth together. Really like listening to what, what they're saying, not just assuming what they're saying is just like every other person. Like they, most people have or a reason that they're supporting a a position so like really listening to that and then if you need to ask questions and be willing to disagree with them like if you know like arguing or whatever like having this discussion is not going to be fruitful and like you just stop yeah i mean i i think like if it isn't going to be fruitful what you know what's the point part of the problem though is on a natural level whenever anybody is challenged on something our defenses come up right? right like just on a natural level whenever we're like corrected on anything because like conflict can do that i mean some people just feed on conflict but like our defenses come up so recognizing that though like just because my defenses are up doesn't actually mean that the other person is wrong it means like it's challenging something in me so for like us personally it's like all right like there i'm being challenged on something let's honestly look at this and part of this is we have to have like a patience with ourselves to really look and a patience with the other person because change is really hard. Uh, It's really difficult for anybody. And so like when we're calling for things in the world that have real consequences and we're profoundly disagreeing with somebody, that's difficult on all levels. So there has to be, again, like affirming the dignity of the human person. We have to like, in order to like make a journey together, we have to fiercely love that other person in such a way to where we will like stick with them in this yeah absolutely and even just like having the courage to say like hey like maybe we just need to like pause this conversation and then like come back to it yeah. and like be able to like treat this again like with more thought and rather than just like just what's coming to our heads right there yeah absolutely next question 
how do we make sure that we always place God above politics in our lives and not let politics become an idol? It's an interesting question. Yeah. I think first, like, we have to be a people of prayer, first and foremost, and to, like, make time, right? Like, there's actually a, a specific reason that we have the celebration of Christ the King. Mm. And it's this actually, it was done at a time to kind of recognize, like, the true king of the universe is Christ himself. And, like, he is the one that we, like, bend the knee towards. One of the things, like, an- anthropologically um, that we can tell is, like, in front of these political questions, like, are we seriously like engaging with it first from like the Catholic position and trying to understand the Catholic position and living the faith? So for instance, like somebody being very politically involved is like great. And that's really important. That keeps you from mass on Sunday. That's super problematic. You know what I mean? We talk about like give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. Right. right? So I think we, uh, we also need to check how much time we spend reading the news, arguing about these things, right? Like our time matters. And so if I say you're super important to me, but I spend zero time with you, like, are you really that important to me? You know? (laughs) So, like, I think we have to, like, limit the amount of time. We have to keep track of how much time we're spending on all of this stuff. And the other, like, thing to gauge, even, like, on our examination of consciences at night is, what what am I, like, spending my life on? Because I would argue, again, like, even by virtue of the incarnation, what we talk about with, like, solidarity and subsidiarity is... We can, I think one real temptation for us is to be fo- so focused on things on the national level that we miss the people in front of us and what we can do for like politics and for the common good at the most local level in our immediate communities and be like very disincarnational in that regard. So one way is to like live local. One interesting question that's like more specific than the others is like, what is the church's view on social welfare through taxes and the government, like compared to through private choice? Hmm. So again, like the documents call f- like for people to be taken care of, right? How is like up for debate? So it would depend, right? Like if it was done well on the social level, that would be a good, right? And as long as again, like there's not things that go along with it that are actually limiting the dignity of the human person. If there's a way of, like, through, like, private choice it being done, then, like, good. This is one of those, like, prudential judgment things, right? Because, again, like, if you look at different countries, like, some of the ways that, like, states do this is pretty good, you know? And some other ones, not so good. So, honestly, like, this is actually one of those, like, prudential judgment things. All right, we recognize this is a lot, and there's a lot to, like, think about and pray about, but, like, that's part of what, like, we're called to do in all of this. So, again, check out the document Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. Please, like, pray and discern, uh, and, like, please vote and vote responsibly, and also recognize that political engagement is more than just, like, voting once every four years. Thank you for listening. This was the Georgia Tech Podcast. A podcast. Or some hell of a Catholic podcast. Close enough. Bye. Man, you did great.